Hi, this is Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where we follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, and while this is an official, I am a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A little bit scholarly, a little bit inspirational, this podcast will attempt to help us become better disciples of Christ. Join me, Scriptorians. All right, welcome back. Let's jump into Genesis chapter 2. So if you have not had a chance to go back and look at Genesis part 1, please do that. It'll make more sense. Today we're going to jump into Genesis part 2, um, chapter 2, which is starts uh, actually starts about verse 4, and that is the second, uh, the zoom in of creation. As we talked about, sometimes there are these couplets, these stories that are told over and over again, and as you delve into each version of the story, each zooming in, you'll learn something else. Now, some people have said these are two different creations. I choose to say they're just different tellings or telling us something else. So when you jump into Genesis chapter 3, about verse 4, you'll see that there is another um, version this story and it starts up with um, and, and remember in the beginning of Genesis 1 it's God created the heavens and the earth and then it ends the earth and the heavens so it's kind of this natural bookend as you get here and so this is where we get here and God is going to now create something else and that's going to be more about humanity now we call this the fall we say this is the section where uh, we have a choice and that is absolutely true and it says um, in verse 4 and these are the beginnings of the heaven and the earth and they're being created now the beginnings reminds us you're gonna see this other cool structural thing and I'm just gonna call it out here because the first time you see it and that's the begats um, you know an Enoch begat Methuselah Methuselah began Jewash or whatever and those the, they go on that long history now don't pass those up those are really great there are 11 of them in the book of Genesis. They're called Toledot, Toledot, and they're the, the histories, the genealogies, and they're kind of like seams that weld the different sections together. Or they're kind of like when you watch a movie and you get that music montage and things happen in the montage and then suddenly they're done. Like um, when Luke Skywalker is training to be a Jedi, there's like a montage as he's training and then suddenly he's, he's you know, better along with, uh, with Yoda. It's kind of like that. These toledot, these seams, these begats weld the two stories together and kind of tell us something. Now, if you really pay attention to the 11 of them, and there's a 12th in numbers welding those stories together, 12 being an important number, these seams also tell us things. So if you look through them carefully, you'll see they're telling us about certain people and, and not every person, but they're telling us some important details. So an interesting study is to go and read those. But here's the first time you see that allusion to that in verse 4 when it says the begettings of the heaven and the earth. Now I am reading um, Everett Fox's translation of, uh, of the Hebrew so it's a little bit different than your King James but just kind of go with it. All right so this was the heavens and the earth they're being created and that time uh, Yahweh or Jehovah God making the earth and the heaven. Uh, no bush of the field was yet on earth no plant of the field had yet sprung up for Yahweh God had not made it rain upon the earth and there was no human to till the soil. Now, that first one, when you see, this is, I'm in um, Genesis 2, I'm in verse 5. This Adam, this human, um, that's actually the name um, 
human is Adam, is the name Adam. It's kind of like uh, dirt or earth, so he's kind of like the earthling. He's every man. So Adam is going to be every man. And then you're going to meet Eve, and her name is life, Hava. And so it's life and every man. So we're meant to see ourselves in these two um, parents of all humanity. Yep, real people, that's great uh, too. Then you can see that, and you can learn about them. But we are supposed to see ourselves. This is also our creation, right? And so it's saying that before anything was created, because it hadn't rained yet on the earth, um, there was no human. Uh, there would uh, God's going to kind of water it, and it says that God creates the first human or Adam. It's a play on words out of the dust of the soil, and he blew into his nostrils the breath of life, and the human became a living being. So the first thing we learn is that we are part of this earth. We are central to it, that we are meant to be here. That's intentional. Also, that idea of breath, uh, breath and breath and spirit um, is the same word in Hebrew as it is in Greek, too. So, so um, the ruach or the pneumona, the, the breath, the wind, the spirit. And so as the Lord, as God breathes, as God breathes into humanity, his spirit, he becomes a living soul. And so you're going to see this God creating something greater than just the dirt that it was in. So just a fantastic, we should just see this. This is this culminating event. God's creating, it's not an accident. It's intentional and with the life of the spirit itself. Now, while I talked about the zoom out, zoom in, let's zoom back to chapter one. Remember, the first time we see the spirit is right there in the opening verses when it said the spirit was hovering over the earth. It's almost like, I always imagine it kind of like, fluttering like a bird like it's just hovering waiting this the spirit is just going to give life and creation so God's spirit is going to be giving this life to the earth and here God breathes into the nostrils of this man that he's created and creates Adam a living being a living soul and then we learn about Eden so you're going to notice something interesting and there's kind of a structure that you might notice that first there is a land, and then in it is Eden, and in it is a garden, and in that is a tree that's planted right in the middle. So it's a garden, a land of Eden, then there's a garden, then there's a center. So it's kind of a three-fold, bing, 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 target, and you're going to see that. Now in the center, you're going to see this tree, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, just a thought um, they're there in the center so we should notice that those are going to be the central part of the story they're not crammed in the corner of the garden of eden these trees are plunked down right in the middle so when we realize where their creation is we're going to see the creation of humanity and then the creation of these trees we know that this is going to be part of the point of the story that we are going to gain knowledge and in that gaining of knowledge then we will die and so part of that death is going to come along and this is the story of origins how did death come into the world or what did we choose we chose knowledge and so that is going to be a theme that we're going to see right out of the gate so back to the story so again we planted the garden in eden um, in the east and then that's where we placed the human that he had formed and then we see then the trees are uh, created and in the middle that's i'm in verse nine the tree of life 
in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowing of good and evil, also right there. Then they talk about these four. There's like this weird little thing about these four rivers that go out. Um, four is usually geographical completeness. And so life, water, is going to go out to the four corners. Um, this is also uh, very common in literature of that day that you would have these rivers. So this is going to make sense to people. And so you're going to have this little insert in there where it's like, oh, and by the way, let me tell you the names of the rivers. Okay, turn the page. Okay, so then God takes the human and sets him in the garden to work it and watch it to tend it and take care of it, to be the steward. So our first job is to say to make it better, to take this earth that God has created that's perfect and awesome, and then our job is to make it even better, to tend it and take care of it. And there we are. And then we see that at one point we see that um, God, uh, the human doesn't have anyone. So he says, I'll make a helper corresponding to him. Now, that word helper and corresponding, some of you guys have seen that called a help meet, and that sounds, um, we've seen that distorted over the years, that women's going to be um, his uh, inferior somehow, or then sometimes people say, well, Eve was created later, so Eve is somehow the culminating thing. They are meant to be together. It's literally saying an ezer, E-Z-E-R, a helper. It's not quite as strong as the word savior, but it's the idea of someone that is equal that will help him, save him, and make him better, that we are better, not just men with a woman, but women and men are meant to be together, and it literally is like someone that corresponds, someone that could be equal, someone that could be as great, and they are meant to be together, his ezer, and so um, if you've ever heard the hymn, uh, Come Thou Fount, it's like, I will raise my Ebenezer, um, Eben is a stone, and Ezer is a helper. It's your helper stone, and there's a story about that. But it's this idea of God being, God creating a helper, one that's equal, one that's going to create him in the stewardship of tending and taking care of the earth. And that's our job, not to destroy it, not to just use it and just you know tear it apart, but to create something better out of it. And so then uh, there we are. So we now have the creation of uh, Adam and Eve. Now, Eve hasn't been named yet because that's where uh, Adam is going to be taken. So you're going to see that Adam gets an assignment. One of Adam's assignments is naming all these animals. So the animal, he's, the animals are going to be created. Then I'm jumping around a little bit. Work with me. That the animals are going to be created and Adam is going to get a job of creation. Now, uh, you could say maybe Eve too, not that important in the story, but Adam is part of the creator. God is giving part of his creation power. He was naming the heavens of the earth. He was creating the stuff in the last chapter, and now he's giving part of that responsibility to humanity, saying, Adam, every man, you go forth, and you be part of this creation. You be like me. You're my image bearer. And Eve, you're going to actually give life in the next couple chapters. You're going to be having children. And the two of you together are going to be creating this world and making it better as my image bearers. He's naming and giving names and she's giving life and together they're having children. And so you say this, this amazing blessing that Lord is giving order and structure and responsibility and stewardship to the earth, that the Lord is there working with humanity. Now, in chapter one, you notice that God was speaking by fiat, meaning, let there be light, kabang, light. And this one, God is more like a potter or a crafter. He's, 
He's not far away in saying these things, kind of how it sounds in the first one, but he's there and it's, he's forming it and he's speaking to them and he's talking to them and he's walking in the cool of the day and he's um, talking to them. And so you see this idea of God being right there with humanity. What an amazing story. This is no distant God. This is God saying, I am giving life and purpose to you all and I'm here with you and you are like me and I want to bless you and I want to give you purpose and meaning. What a testimony to how much our Father in Heaven loves us that he is giving this Eden this place for us to be. And it says that the uh, they're, they're married, they're husband and wife and it even says uh, uh, Adam says she will be called a woman and it works well in English as it does in Hebrew where he says I'm man and she'll be wool man and in Hebrew, it's ish and isha. And it's just, we're just part of the same. We're part of the same. And then that kind of chapter kind of closes in creation. And we turn to this part of the fall. And then we get this interesting story of a talking snake. Um, just an aside. This is where the story turns and we're going to see a lot of different symbols are being used. So we see symbols of a tree of life and a tree of knowledge of good and evil. We see a snake who's talking. We see um, Adam created from the dust of the earth and we see all these things happening. There are lots of symbolic imagery and I want you to kind of watch for those and say it's trying to teach me something more. Um, I don't think it's trying to teach us that snake speak and it's trying to say that people are made out of dirt because we're clearly not made out of dirt, but we are made from this world. And we are, um, we do have a decision and that there is a decision to be made when we choose to partake of something, when we eat. And we're going to see that theme. So this is where we're introduced to some of that um, that kind of takes a turn. There's drama and this is when it ends. So the snake was the most shrewd and the name shrewd is also, uh, well, anyway, keep going. Okay, so... Um, speaks to the woman and says, hey, um, even though you're not supposed to eat from the fruit of the garden, you should take um, you're, you should take the fruit because you won't surely die. Now, we're going to see this in the fall that Adam and Eve choose to partake of the knowledge of good and evil. They choose knowledge and the snake is truthful and lies to them. It says, in the day that you partake, you shall surely die. Um, and they don't die physically that day, but they do die spiritually. And I think the Lord's underscoring that that separation from God, that separation as we choose to make our own decisions that draw us away from him, is the death that does come. That death that comes. But it's part of the plan, as we know, that it is there that we choose. Remember where we saw ourselves as Adam and Eve in this story? This is, I think, too, where we see ourselves. We have the choice to partake, um, whether uh, we're fooled by the snake or whether we partake or however we do it. We are the ones that are partaking of this fruit. We are the ones that are going to sin and separate ourselves from God. We are going to make choices on our own to do things. It says that we become like them. We become like the gods, meaning we have knowledge. And knowledge, with knowledge comes decisions and with decisions come sin and thereby death and in this case spiritual death uh, physical death will come later so the snake is a liar but also a little truthful we did surely die we we have a spiritual separation spiritual death and physical death will come later all right 
So you know the story. Um, just a couple other things. You've probably seen it being an apple. Uh, there were no apples in the Middle East, um, and so they, they most often think of it as a pomegranate. Um, so I think that's funny that we think of it as an apple or some fruit, random fruit, but they think of it as a pomegranate. And so you'll see on uh, the tabernacle, uh, the, both the robes of the high priest and the walls of the tabernacle, a lot of uh, pomegranates. That's this idea of all the little seeds uh, giving life. And so this fruit uh, could be potentially like that. And so you'll see the pomegranate being used a lot. And same thing in Solomon's temple. The decorations will include pomegranates. So you'll see a pomegranate used where we think of an apple. But anyway, just kind of a cultural side. Okay, so this story has been interpreted a bazillion ways, and I'm sure you have some that you are wanting to dive into. I want to talk about, we talked about a theme last time of origins, and this is where the origin of death is going to come from. But it's all the, or also the origin of labor. This is where men are going to have to, the uh, kind of traditional gender roles, men are going to have to labor in the fields and by the sweat of their brow, and women will have to labor in childbirth and have greater pains because of our decisions um, to become mortal. So you see this equality and this labor on each side. But you see this these origins. How did these origins start? How did gender roles? In the garden, they, they were fairly equal and they were, remember they were helper, help meet, the ezer, they were equal and yet now we start to see these gender roles because they're going to have to, to survive. So I'm not saying anything about gender roles, right or wrong, I'm just saying that here in this chapter we see this origins trying to be explained, the understanding where we come from and where these roles come from as, as a decision of the fall and at least what we're living through. So, um, so then it's talks about us uh, also where we see uh, verse 20, and I'm in chapter 3 now. Um, Adam called his wife, and it's actually the human is a better translation. The human called his wife's name Hava, or life giver, or Eve, for she became the mother of all living. And we see this as where now they can have children. So there's this blessing that's also given to them that they can now become still partakers of God's divine blessing and be like him and create life. And um, we also see this is where God gives Adam and Eve coats of skins um, to cover them. And so they are now knowledgeable. They know now more. And know as we know has kind of a sexual connotation and that comes together as they understand things, but they also are able to have children. Okay, so last time we talked about the creation being this big picture, kind of the cosmological view, the creation of everything. Now we're going to do this last one that we just did in chapters two and three, or see the creation of humanity and their purpose and our fall as we are put together as men and women, and we're going to go out into the world and we're going to gain knowledge, and yet we're still blessed with God. Uh, God still is very involved with us, and he's going to continue to give us blessing. So we ask ourselves, how are we going to continue on? How is the story going to continue? If we're in the world, how is this God who is loving and has created us, how is he going to help us return back to the garden? How are we going to learn how to become more like him as his image bearers? And how will it go? And that's where we turn the story and we find out more in the next chapters of Genesis. All right, keep reading. Remember, God is involved in your life. 
God loves you. God has a purpose for you and your origin is divine and he wants you to remember that. And that is the message of Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. Okay, until next time. See you, Scriptorians.